3: Live from SEC Media Days, it is the final day with the awesome Amanda LaFrada. I am Dave Hooker. We broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame that I know looks like a casino behind me. If you like this video, and you're going to because we have some fantastic content coming up from SEC Media Days, go ahead and like and subscribe. We would certainly appreciate that as always. So, coming up today on the program, Greg Sankey, the SEC Commissioner, will join us. David Cutcliffe with the SEC as well, former Tennessee offensive coordinator, Duke head coach, Ole Miss head coach. This guy certainly knows the SEC like nobody's business. And also, we will uh, visit with Benjamin Watson, who is uh, tight end, former tight end with the Georgia Bulldogs now with uh, ESPN. Amanda LaFrada, how are you this morning?
4: I'm doing well. How are you, Dave?
3: I'm well. It's uh, day four. This is your first. I did the math, and my first was uh, 25 years ago. So uh, uh, how do you feel? A little uh, like the rest of the media? A little a little wary? Uh,
4: a little exhausted. A little exhausted. Yeah. It's been great, but I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah,
3: it is. Uh, it is quite the gauntlet, so you'll You'll never forget your first time, as they say. If you've got comments or questions, you can go ahead and hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, and we will gladly respond to those. So we do have breaking news, which is kind of rare at SEC Media Days. You had Texas and Oklahoma that broke during SEC Media Days last year, but for the most part, it's, it's not a, a real newsy event. It's more just uh, rehashing things that we already know. Now, you go back at the Fulmer thing, getting served a subpoena and not wanting to come to Birmingham. Sometimes they are newsy, but for the most part, they really aren't. Now, we have some news on Thursday, and it's not good news for Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M's wide receiver, Aenea Smith, was scheduled to be in the house in the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. He will not be suspended following an arrest early Wednesday morning. So he was out Tuesday night before Wednesday. Smith charged with DWI unlawful carrying of a weapon and possession of less than two ounces of marijuana there in Texas. Smith, the senior, was scheduled to represent the Aggies at SEC Media Days on Thursday as the team's leading returning receiver from the 2021 season, but will no longer do so. Uh, according to CBS Sports, Jimbo Fisher aware of the arrest and looking into the situation. That is certainly not what Texas A&M wanted, to say the least. But, I man, it's not just that they didn't want him. they They also, he's a captain. He's not just another dude. Uh, this is not just a backup offensive lineman they got in trouble. He's the captain that was going to represent them at SEC media days. That's
4: huge. It's really bad. It's really, really bad, especially um, considering Texas A&M has been kind of in the limelight lately for what uh, what they've been doing as far as the NIL goes. And it's just they're not making the greatest decisions over there because you have the kid on, or not even kid, a staff member, on camera saying, hey, these boosters pay you, just FYI. And now you have a kid, um, a captain of the team, getting a, D, a DWI. Now the whole marijuana thing is, that's for a different day. But the DWI thing is, you can't do that in sports, especially not, you're, you're supposed to be at media days on Thursday, and you're out on Tuesday, that that looks like a disciplinary problem, and that's something Jimbo Fisher has to address.
3: No, he's going to have to address it, and I bet he's madder than five darnits. Um, So, you know, and they're also very lucky that they're in the state of Texas where they have some pretty liberal or loose, whatever the term you want to use, gun laws, because we also saw what happened to Blaxco Burris when he shot himself. Uh, He had to go to jail for two years. So he's lucky that it did happen in the state of Texas. I guess if you're lucky, you're not lucky if you get pulled over for DWI. So this is Tennessee's big day. Tennessee will be represented by its head coach, Josh Heupel. It will be represented by safety Trayvon Flowers, quarterback Hendon Hooker, and wide receiver Cedric Tillman. We will visit with them, and they will be on our YouTube channel, and they will be up on offthehooksports.com. So – as for a they will have defensive back Damani Richardson, offensive lineman Layden Robinson, and they will not have wide receiver Ania Smith because of the DWI. Now, we will see if they bring somebody in their place. A oh, Man, it's kind of last second. I know they do a lot of prep for these guys. I, I don't think I would try to throw somebody in at the last second. I think I'd just be bring two and be done with it.
4: I think you have to bring two and be done with it because you certainly don't have enough time. I'm sure Texas A&M was made aware of the situation either Tuesday or early Wednesday, or you know at least mid afternoon Wednesday. That's people get you're already getting ready to go to this thing. You're already probably boarding a plane at that moment. So trying to prepare somebody enough to get them here. There's a lot of there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. Mainly, hey, don't say this, don't comment on this, don't comment on that. This is the answer that you give for this question. You don't have time for that. That's, like you don't have time.
3: That's very insightful, Amanda, for somebody who hasn't been in the media because you're right, they get coached for like a week yeah. of what to say. And you can tell it with some players who kind of listen and they take the coaching. And we got a couple of those. Coach speak answers yesterday, and then the other guys are like, I'm just going to be me. And most of them, probably two thirds of the players, are the coach speak type of answers. So, no, I don't think you bring somebody else that could say something about Nick Saban or that could say something that could get you in hot water or provide bulletin board material. I'm not bringing anybody else. That's headlines uh, brought to you by Biles Automotive Group right there on Callahan Car Shopping Made Easy here at Biles Automotive. Their mission to be the automotive home of drivers in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. They provide a vast selection of used vehicles, exceptional car care, customer service with a smile. So they got selection, car care, they've got service. And right there, they also have integrity and that matters. They want, they need, and they appreciate your business. That's Files Automotive Group. So Auburn will be here today. Brian Harson. there's nobody that's on a hotter seat Uh, heading into the 2022 season season, than Brian Harson. For some reason, with all the defections, Auburn decided to do this internal investigation that I know it was supposed to be internal, but all that stuff's public record. It was just a complete mishandling by Auburn to let that get out. So Brian Harson actually went in to 2021 on the hot seat, Amanda, and that's not where you want to be in year number two. He certainly doesn't want to be there in year number three, but he is. He is the coach on the hot seat, and then it's maybe anybody else you want to bring up.
4: I mean, mm, yeah. He's the coach on the hot seat. I I don't think there's anybody even remotely close in the SEC to being the coach that's going to get the boot. I think it's a 75% chance at this moment Unless he doesn't completely do a one eighty and turn everything around at Auburn, he's out.
3: I like I mean, your he's out. I like your number at seventy five percent for the over under. Actually, a lot. Um, I might take the over. I, th- I think he's even more assured of getting fired. And and the reason I say so is because it seems like he lost the team running back Tink Bigsby will represent auburn there were times on the sideline last year you watch him and you're like man this guy is not into it he wants to be in the game he's not he's frustrated now as far as the rest of the representatives for auburn it'll be edge rusher Derek hall who i think is incredibly underrated because a generational top player is playing right down the road in will anderson but i think Derek hall is very very good he'll go somewhere in the middle of the first round at the nfl draft and he'll be a solid player Anderson is just one of those guys in the same state that is super-duper special. We talk we talk about Derek Thomas as a generational type of player.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a hard road for Auburn. I'm not going to lie.
3: Oh, I they're, they're going <sighs> to be horrible. I've,
4: they're going to
3: be horrible.
4: I normally don't feel for them, but I feel for them this year, this season.
3: John Samuel Schenker uh, will be the tight end representative, which – you don't get a lot of tight ends at media day, but you're going to with Auburn because they run four tight end sets, which might tell you something about Brian Harson's offense. It's just me saying that. Texas A&M again: Jibbo Fisher, Damani Richardson, a defensive back, offensive lineman, Layden Robinson, and without a wide receiver, a skill position player, they have all the star power of a Waffle House. I I, I don't see anything. Hey. I mean, I like Waffle House, but they have the
4: All Star Breakfast. Get off the Waffle House. Sorry,
3: my bad. I don't see a lot of guys on that list, though. I want to talk to, just to be real honest with you. Um, Talking about Waffle House leads us to today's tough question. Did you see Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, put mayonnaise in his coffee? And he says he does that a lot. There was video of that.
4: That makes me want to. It's disgusting. Ugh, gross! How do you how how dare you? How dare you? That's terrible.
3: Nah, I, you know, but okay. Can I play the other side of it? Because I had somebody tell me one time that conditioner and lotion are pretty much the same. Like hair conditioner and lotion. So really, mayo, work with me. I know you're you're going to call me stupid here in a second. Work with me. Mayo is just basically. A creamer, but it's thicker. So if you stir it in, I don't have as... Which he did on the video. I don't have as much of a problem with it.
4: You have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me.
3: Okay, so you brought up... You brought up Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He likes ketchup on his steak.
4: Yeah, and he gets his steak, like, well done. I think.
3: Uh, Okay. Um... Okay, so which of the two if I lay them in front of you, mayo in the coffee, Mahome's ketchup steak um, what are you what are you going with Well if you you have to eat one I
4: have to eat one yes mm-hmm. I, oh. Is...
3: you have to eat they're both sitting in front of you you can stir the mayo in really good
4: Is death a choice?
3: Death is not a choice because uh, you're, you're needed at off dog sports. We are not making it without you. So no, death is not a it. Yeah, death is not a, you cannot die. I
4: well, I can't do it.
3: Do you want to, you want to make death a choice on yes. the pole? Uh, my yes. wife nice enough to text me and tell me that, uh, mayo is not cream. It's eggs.
4: Thank you. Thank yes. you. Shanda.
3: Yes. She's very Thank nice. You. Um, okay. So here's what I'm gonna put. um, how about today's tough question is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis likes mayo and his coffee, which is more disgusting? Uh, mayo and coffee, Mahomes ketchup steak, I'd rather starve.
4: I would say which which would you – what would you choose, giving the options? Mahomes and his steak ketchup thing, Levis and his mayo thing, or getting um, – Getting tackled by Will Anderson. You got three choices.
3: Okay. Okay, so I like that. Um, So today's tough question: Kentucky Will Levis likes mayo in his coffee. Let's go with this right here. Then we'll go with uh, which would you? You say least. No.
4: Which Which would you rather choose? Okay. The mayo and the coffee, the Patrick Mahomes ketchup steak, or getting tackled by Will Anderson.
3: I like that. That's very good stuff. So that's out there on Twitter. If you want to take part, we would love for you to do that. And we will also listen to you right here, uh, your comments on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you want to put them. Amanda has her finger on the button, so she can certainly – uh, QUN, you in if you got comments. We would love to hear them for you. So I, I, just, you know, I wonder where the young man's mind is, the Texas A&M, when he's going out on a. This is just a Tuesday night. He's going out, and listen, we, we all have different thoughts on marijuana, but the gun. Um, now, I get into this when Tennessee had a basketball player. I think it was Tyler Smith. Um, if you have. What are your thoughts on college kids having a gun? Because here are the two sides I heard when uh, Tennessee had a basketball player that, that had a gun. Now, his gun also, the registration was uh, rubbed off, so that's not a good sign. But he, there was the protection aspect of it, that a lot of people come up to him and know him, and he doesn't know them. So... Amanda, I'm not going to say that just having it. I would rather my kids at a similar age, 19, 20, yeah. 21, years, 21 years old, I'd rather them not have a gun unless they've been properly trained. And I'm fine with it if they are. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that he has been, and that that would concern me. If I were his parents, and they're not big gun people, and he hasn't gone through training, that would concern me as much as anything. Because when you add a gun to the situation and you're not trained to use it, you can go from somebody getting a broken nose to somebody losing their life.
4: Um, objection. That Feel is, uh, that's speculation that he has not been trained to Total use a gun. Total
3: speculation. Agreed.
4: However, I'm a constitutional carry advocate. I think I that agree. you, if you want to, if you want a gun and you want the, you want to be able to protect yourself, you should be able to have a gun and protect yourself. Now, I do think that you should go through the proper training and um, go get your, you know, if you don't want to get the, the license to carry, which you don't need anymore in Texas or in Tennessee, if you don't want the license, that's fine by me. But at least go get trained. Shoot it before you get it. You know, go to a shooting range, take an take a class from an instructor I'm not saying you have to have a permit I think it's good to have a permit however take a class from an instructor before you go just out with your weapon I'm just I'm just saying
3: I agree um, we we have already had the votes pour in and nobody's pouring mayo in their coffee it's disgusting right, yeah right now they'd rather be tackled by will Anderson or they would go with a Mahomes ketchup steak. Well, tackled by Will Anderson, that sounds awful. Um, but if I had to choose between the two, Mahomes ketchup steak and mayo in my coffee, surprisingly enough, this might surprise you, I would go with mayo in my coffee.
4: That's No, I'm but, not surprised because you've been trying to upsell this mayo in your coffee. Upselling
3: thing. mayo, yes. Um, we're brought to you by Duke's Mayonnaise. I, Gross. Gross. I just cannot stand ketchup or a one sauce on a steak, and I don't. And you mentioned he liked it well done, which we didn't have room in the Twitter world to fit that in. But you did mention that. I think so. I well, you would think if he puts ketchup on it, I don't. Yeah. That to me ruins a good steak. Mayo may ruin a good cup of coffee, but it's just a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee's a nickel. A steak, a good steak, $12, 14 if you're going filet, and you put ketchup on it. Oh, my gosh. So I would rather, just for the respect of the product, do the mayo and coffee.
4: So, Does that at least
3: make sense?
4: I understand what you're saying. <laughs> However, I'm a very big advocate for coffee, obviously. Love coffee. Love honeybee coffee. Just saying. Love it. I, that is, putting mayo in coffee is a complete lack of respect for the coffee bean itself. (laughs) And for everything that it's taken to get the bean over here to the U.S. to grind it up to, no, absolutely not. That's disgusting. However, that cow made a sacrifice. (laughs) Sacrificed its life so you could enjoy steak. You should not get it well done. Absolutely not. You can get a bag of beef jerky if you want to do that. And second, putting ketchup on it ruins it, completely ruins it. So the obvious answer is to get tackled by Will Anderson because no one dies and you sacrifice a little bit of pain and that's it. That's it.
3: Amen. Hey, Ken, I appreciate it. So just found your channel enjoying your show. Please subscribe, Ken, to YouTube and we're going to have sneak peeks. We've actually just had so much content come out of the past couple of days. We haven't had an opportunity to get it all up. So you Thanks. can hear David Cutcliffe on our YouTube channel, which is great. Greg Sankey. There's more stuff that we haven't put on off the hook sports.com. It's a plethora. So and,
4: much. And
3: all of that major kudos, if I may take a moment, to Amanda and her awesome husband, husband David LaFrada, who, who came down here with us. Because um, for those of you that wondered where we might have been, at times, for some reason, I decided to pour a Diet Dr. Pepper in the back of my computer. So we have had technical issues beyond what I've ever dealt with before. So we, we certainly appreciate your patience. But uh, Amanda has been able to throw heat uh, throughout the week. So today's tough question. They don't have mayo and coffee. I guess you could do it. At big orange phillies but i wouldn't and no. you could put ketchup on your steak i guess please don't But please don't please don't because the big orange phillies they got fantastic food they've got the quick bites they know it's tough to get out of the office for a long lunch uh they're good at getting you quality food fast grab something cold from the fridge or order hot food from the counter that is big orange phillies it's right there on maynardville pike It is just down the road from Maynardville and very convenient to all of North Knoxville. So we want to encourage you to check out big orange fillies and stay for a while. They've got karaoke. They've got pool. They've got, uh, well, I should say billiards. They'll have a pool. So they've also got darts. It's a fantastic place to hang out in North Knoxville. So um, as As we move forward, coming up on the program, as I said, we're just loaded with content today, and I think you'll enjoy the show. We are going to visit next with Greg Sankey, uh, the SEC commissioner. What did you take away from Sankey, Amanda? What was your one biggest takeaway?
4: Ooh. I think he is stuck, or not stuck, but... I think he is sticking to the sixteen teams as of now, which I very much enjoy. I very much, I'm very glad uh, about that. I think the NIL is still is still an issue for them. I think he doesn't really know what to do, and I think he's also he's he's kind of putting it off on the on the NCAA, and I don't blame him. I would, I would do that as well because it is their fault, I've, essentially.
3: See, I really thought the SEC would just take over, to be honest with you. You
4: can't. You can't hurt your well, program just because, you know, you can't hurt the SEC by following rules that don't exist. So you can't just hurt the SEC by – the entire SEC, to get them in line when, you know, the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, whoever, now USC, is going to pull out all the stops to take those players from you. So I understand where he sits on this issue.
3: Um, yeah, I do. I, I thought there would be a tenor at SEC Media Days of the SEC just kind of taken over. I really did. And, and that hasn't been the case. And maybe that's not practical. And let's face it, Greg Sankey doesn't want that job. I mean, that job is very similar to the NFL, uh, being the NCAA president. Who would you rather be, the SEC commissioner or the NCAA president? The NCAA president just gets ripped all the time. He has no real control. He essentially just does whatever he can to cover stuff up, at least with the SEC commissioner, you have some semblance of order. And I, I think that the SEC has that. So. As we broadcast live from uh, SEC Media Days, let's take a look at today's tough question. Uh, So right now, Mayo and Coffee has not gotten a single vote. Mahomes' catch-up steak has gotten a couple of different votes. Uh, Today's tough question, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis likes Mayo and his coffee. He did that via video yesterday. Which would you choose if you had to? mayo and coffee Mahomes, ketchup steak are tackled by will anderson so far it's tackled by will anderson and it's off to an astounding lead because I i don't think people understand what it's like to get tackled by will anderson uh, i don't think people sometimes understand what it's like to play football amanda can you imagine if you and i just fell down 40 times and got up how we would feel the next day just fell down on our own nobody knocking us down that's essentially what football players do. So,
4: I mean, I'm sure, but I would rather fall down 40 times than make somebody like or make someone force me to eat a steak with ketchup on it or drink coffee with mayo. Now, now to be fair, Mahomes, he got a a deal with Hunt's ketchup, I think. Um for because he was so adamant about it, and I know we talked to uh Roger McCreary yesterday, and he got a deal with Bush's baked beans because he eats those so much. So maybe well, the Bushes
3: people said he did.
4: Yes, well, but he said he ate beans all the time.
3: He did. He does eat beans all the time. Yeah. I was told he eats two bowls of beans well, before every game, and he looked at me like I was insane.
4: That's true. However, <laughs> maybe Will Levis can get a. Can get an endorsement from, uh, because the NIL is alive and well, so maybe they'll just pick him up and put him on, you know, some mayo commercials.
3: Did you know actually that the dog is named Duke?
4: Out of the Bush Beans. Yeah, the Bush Beans.
3: And there's a Duke's Mayonnaise. He actually, that dog started that company years ago.
4: The Duke's Mayonnaise? The dog started it.
3: Yeah, the dog started it.
4: Yeah. Maybe not. You should tell some of your bean jokes. That'd be great. You're a
3: great human being.
4: I know I am. All right,
3: Zool Beer, nice enough to sponsor us as we come to SEC Media Days. This being day four, I believe, Tennessee coming up. Zool Beer Company, panoramic view right there in downtown uh, Knoxville. What can you tell us about Zool Beer Company?
4: It's, It's amazing. I mean, it's some of the best beer that you'll ever have, if not the best beer that you'll ever have. Um, If you like drinking beer, if you like IPAs, then that's the place to go. If you like sours, and not the vinegary kind of sours, because I've had those, that the sours there are highly fruited, are very, very good, very refreshing. You should uh, go get a burger on Friday or Saturday and enjoy.
3: One other note that I did want to bring up, the NCAA council endorsed a concept that would eliminate the blanket rule prohibiting Transferring more than once, so you have this rule that you can transfer once and play immediately, which flies in the face of everything that college football was just a couple of years ago. But you can play immediately. I'm all for the players, How, but if you transferred a second time, you essentially needed a waiver. It looks like that has uh, that has been struck down. what are, What are your What are your thoughts? on that, Amanda?
4: This is absolutely ridiculous. This is the NFL times two. The only thing... The NCAA, or Yes, the NCAA isn't looking out for the players. They're looking out for the money. So to have a player where you tell them that, hey, if you don't like it here, you can transfer. And then if you transfer, guess what? You don't like it there? You don't get along with somebody? You can just quit. You can transfer out. You can go somewhere else. You have all these options. In real life, that's not how it works. You don't just get to if you don't like something at a job, you don't just up and leave it and go to another job. And if you don't like something there, up and leave that and go to another job. Like you you have to have some kind of loyalty. And I understand coaches are the same way. I get that. So I think there should be stipulations to this. Like if if you're have a sickness in your family, even if you just miss home. Or if you, you know, if the coach leaves, then I think you should get to transfer out because you signed up underneath the coach or the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, whatever the case may be. You should be able to transfer after that. However, this just transferring because you want to kind of thing is ridiculous. We're gonna have to implement contracts like they do in the NFL. Like that's what we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to have players to sign contracts with teams for a certain amount of years. Or if it's the NIL deal, they have to sign a contract to say we'll stay for four years, and that's it, or three years.
3: If you can figure it out, you're smarter than me because I don't know what they're going to do. They've they've got an insano mess on their hands, and really, the NCAA Mark Emmert is what allowed all of this to go down. If, if you step in and you don't fight the Ed O'Bannon case, because all of this started with NCAA college football games, so. It, it, if if you if you step in, and by the way, Amanda LaFrada is uh, Amanda LaFrada, not Sankey on the video screen. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not we're not we don't Sankey. Sankey I'm yet. Sorry, so we'll get that changed. But if you um if you step in with the Ed O'Bannon case, and he's the, if for those that I mean this case has been going on for twenty years. For those that don't remember, he is the UCLA basketball player that thought they deserved a bigger piece of the pie of Um, NIL and he won and they fought it for years just to basically stave off it's kind of like saying I'm going to go on a diet Monday so I'm going to eat all I can over the weekend so they just pushed it off and pushed it off
4: is that not what you're supposed to do?
3: that's what I do But but it came to roost now and now Mark Emmert's gone and he's like peace out I'll just get my direct deposit you all work it out That
4: is terrible, and I'm sorry. Oh, I agree. But USC needs to go back, and they need to hand Reggie Bush, A, an apology letter. You need to write that apology letter right now. You need to have a a presentation to hand him his Heisman Trophy back. And the NCAA needs to come in and reinstate that uh, national championship, because this is ridiculous.
3: Wow. You could go back on a lot of things. Yeah. I was surprised touring Southern Cal, California, they they hate being called Southern Cal, that they still Uh, had um, O.J. Simpson's Heisman trophy up.
4: And not Reggie Bush's? I
3: know. I mean, I think one guy did something a little worse. I may be wrong, Amanda, correct me, but double homicide?
4: Allegedly.
3: Oh, come on. I'm kidding. Yes, (laughs) we
4: know he killed her. (laughs) And And we know he killed them.
3: Greg Sankey coming up next, the SEC Commissioner coverage also brought to you in part by our friends at Craft Treats, full-spectrum CBD treats, minor cannabinoids. They'll take care of your pet via those minor cannabinoids. If it happens to be stormy outside or they've got car ride anxiety, Craft Treats will take care of you. Again, go to crafttreats.com. So Greg Sankey coming up next as we broadcast live with Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker, SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. This is a presentation of Off the Sports. Welcome as we broadcast live from SEC and Media Days, the back. unofficial kickoff to the football season. Super excited to visit with our next guest. He's kind of somebody. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Commissioner, how are you, sir? I'm oh, well, thank you. I've I've talked a lot, but I'm doing fine. I <laughs> know you'll be, At the end of the day, you'll hate to hear yourself talk. That's that's what I hate. I'm just I'm quiet.
2: We're on day three, and uh, I go quiet at night
3: after each of these days. Well, you if you want to, it was about this time last year that uh, Texas and Oklahoma news broke. If you want to drop something like that yeah. on our show, go ahead. No, I, I survived that one. So I, <laughs> I said at the beginning of the
2: day when I took the podium to introduce um, the, the first coach, I said, uh, my goal is not to make any news today. So, so far, so good. But there's a few hours
3: to go. (laughs) Yeah, we got a a 24-hour news cycle. I can't imagine being in in your position right now. I think you've done a fantastic job of leading the SEC. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here. I think you have. But you're in this position that, theoretically, you could exert more power. You could do more and be more aggressive but you also care about the sanctity of the game. Just from a day-to-day business perspective, how do you weigh that?
2: Uh, That's really a fascinating question, and there's a depth to it that that I'll probably tonight think, well, I should have said this and should have said that. So there's a growth um, reality. I was a small conference commissioner before, which was great to be at the end of the hallway and be accountable for decisions in an organization, but to be, if you will, off-Broadway so that my errors weren't like headlines. Um, And then the opportunity to work in the SEC and learn a bit, but until you're in the chair, you don't appreciate what it's like to sit in the chair. Um, And so now I'm in my eighth year, Uh, gone through any number of challenges and and hopefully I've grown um, as I've gone. And certainly the, the COVID shutdown, the summer, uh, the, the return to play in 2020 and then trying to make it through the season in football, and not to mention every other sport, was, was a growth opportunity. Um, my comments Monday, I think, are a reflection of some of that security that's built up, plus uh, the leadership of our presidents and chancellors. When we, when we finally did get together, first of all, they had enough trust in me that we didn't have to meet right away after the Big Ten news related to their expansion uh, so that we could sort out fact from fiction. And then just talk through what it is we might want and who we are. And what you heard was a security, if you will, and who we are, not a complacency, but a competence. in our decision-making last year, uh, our move to 16, uh, and our future as a group of 16. And, and so, uh, yeah, we, we could we do things? Sure. Uh, I've had plenty of phone calls where I could say, you know, let's get after this. Uh, I think you have to exercise care Uh, and also understand your culture and your philosophy of why you make decisions. Uh, There's also um, a great deal of self-reflection involved, like did we do the right thing and uh, a weight that you bear, like are we making the right decisions now? And whenever I stop that deep self-evaluation, it's probably the time to step away because I will have become complacent or overconfident, and I never want that to be part of the role. It's interesting.
3: Do you do you have a list in your head? I, I, I just wonder if, if you have teams that when you when and if you decided to expand, you would go after I know you're not going to share the teams with me but <laughs> do you have those in your head do you think like that?
2: Well I think first of all there has to be a, a really good basis for why one would would expand. And you don't just expand to go to 18 or to 20 or to 24. Uh, you expand for reasons. And and I'm one who never thinks that you just put money out there because that causes you to make bad decisions. Even last year, um, neither Texas nor Oklahoma called and said, how much money can we make? It was a recognition of how we've made decisions, how we've grown, how our universities have positioned themselves, and and how we support athletics. And, And really a recognition of a consistent philosophy. That's why you grow. And I would just go through those issues to say, if we ever were to expand, you want uh, outstanding universities that attract students from all over the country and all over the world, um, who support athletics at a high level and have the ability to compete and make leadership contributions within this league. Um, I've talked about geographic continuity and contiguous states, which is a fancy way of saying states that touch ours. But that's a whole lot of the country. You know, that's right. New Mexico uh, to, to the Carolinas up to Indiana. And, and so it really comes back to a cultural fit and a philosophical fit.
4: So we all saw the Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher thing. We, ha- we saw that happen, and I'm not going to touch on that. But I was just going to ask you, we have such big personalities in the SEC, especially as coaches. How do you deal with those on a you know on a day day to day basis? How do you rein those in?
2: A couple of thoughts. So I actually joined the SEC staff back in the fall of two thousand two. So my first spring meeting was May of two thousand three in Destin, and I had never been in a meeting of our head football coaches before. Now I had worked in a small conference office with head coaches. And, in fact, like half of our baseball coaches at the time I had worked with. So when I went to our baseball coaches meeting, it was easy. But I remember consciously as I walked into the into the uh, head football coaching meeting, I, I was uptight. I'm like, I'm walking into a room full of millionaires and big personalities. You had Jackie Sherrill, Lou Holtz, Nick Saban, David Cutcliffe, Philip Palmer. Um, I could kind of go through some of the lists. Rich Brooks at Kentucky, Bobby Johnson. Um, I think – Right around that time, Mike Shula was brand new, Oh boy! now Senator Tuberville. Um, So it it was a fascinating um, experience to just walk into that room. And there were some tense moments that day. So I've had the ability to adjust to that. Uh, On the other hand, I have the opportunity uniquely to get to know our head coaches as people. So rather than seeing them behind a microphone or on a stage or on a TV, um, I get to have conversations about, you know, with Kirby today, uh, I know Mary Beth, his wife, I've gotten to meet his kids, just talked about where he spends his time. Um, you know, Jimbo and his wife were down at Destin out to dinner. Uh, my wife and, and I were going to dinner, and I talked to him about the foundation he runs to support his son um, and, and his really chronic disease and what they've done from a research standpoint to overcome those things. That's what's not seen, that when you have some of the tense moments, you build relationships to help you get through. Um, the moment that I kind of realized what was going on, I was in New York city. It was almost midnight. I was at an event and you're, you're trying to process your way through that. And I don't think there's a formula for how to deal with something like that. And so it does come back to to relationships, to trust mutually. Uh, you know, I have a job to do. They have a job to do. And while people will agree, other people will disagree. You try to uh, move forward in your decision making in the most effective way possible,
3: Commissioner. As as far as the time frame, uh, some regulation that we might see on NIL. What are you hopeful for in terms of, in particular, recruiting? That seems to be the one bugaboo that's out there promising money to prospect.
2: Yeah, very much so. And if we, if you go back to 2019, as we talked about, how do we want name, image, and likeness to, to come on board? Um, there are a set of issues. The very first one was not to have this introduced on a state-by-state basis. That's exactly what we have. Because that creates confusion for coaches. It creates confusion for administrators. It creates, creates confusion for young people and their parents as they're trying to figure out, where do I go to college? Uh, and that last being the most important point. But that's what we have. We also have legal outcomes and ongoing legal issues that limit the ncaa's ability to just solve that problem stated more directly the ncaa can't pass a rule um, that puts a state university in conflict with a state law Uh, that that's just untenable right it's impractical and so you then look to congress uh, to enact the national standard so that everyone operates under the same structure that doesn't mean congress has to solve all of the problems around college athletics We've had a common basis for the approach to the scholarship, which has worked for decades. And now we've been informed that may be too limiting. And so to have a national standard, you're going to have to have congressional action. Uh, between now and the midterm election, I think that's a tough proposition as you start to ask about time. So our focus is on educating, both learning from House and Senate members, but also communicating with them what's happening and the importance of their engagement. Um, And that puts us into the next Congress, so hopefully we'll have some early signals on success uh, when the next Congress is in place. If not, if we're not able to move forward at the federal level, we're going to be back to our states engaging in conversation with our current 11 states, soon to be 12 states, about a common approach. And I think there are some leaders at the state level willing um, to enact that legislation, but they also have to oversee that type of legislation. So there's some work to be done. Um, it's not going to be an immediate hit the easy button and we solve it in 30 days, um, and so there's going to be some stress involved. How's, how's that for a simple analysis?
3: So it, it sounds like you're telling me that any nil legislation though is a couple of years away. It doesn't have to be a couple of years, um, but
2: yep, that's possible. There's hey, <laughs> right. uh, we said in our meetings, one of our presidents said there's going to be more discomfort before there's a solution that emerges. So. Uh, you know, there's at least a game plan. There are people who care, and and are interested. The issue is going to be: is there a commitment to resolve the issues that exist at present?
3: Uh, you were in, incredibly smooth on in my first question. If you had a team in your head, do you have a team in your head? And. So I can just start throwing out teams. You can tell me yay or nay if that's a team. Does that work for you? I'm pretty good at a poker face. So no, I, don't, I noticed I won't, that. I won't play that game. I, <laughs>
2: okay. you know There are realities around uh, existing commitments that institutions have to their conferences. That's their responsibility, not mine. I have a responsibility uh, to respect uh, those agreements. Um, so I'll uh, just sit back and listen to your list as opposed to
3: engage. Yeah, I didn't think if I start listing out schools, you're, you're going to. Do you think we'll see any more movement by any of the major conferences before this football season, any announcement?
2: My opinion likely does not matter uh, because sure. they're not going to call me and ask me should, or I, I, should I or should I not. Um, the potential's there. It, it certainly is. And when I speak of, Wanting to be attentive to the landscape, we will be attentive to the landscape and how things develop. Um, we have what seven weekends, I think, before the season, mm-hmm. six for Vanderbilt since they plan week zero. Um, that's a pretty tight time frame. And some of these discussions have just erupted after the Big Ten announcement. So, uh, yeah, it could. Um, I don't expect that to be us. Uh, but we're going to be attentive and we'll be nimble. uh, But we're also going to be thoughtful about the cultural issues and the support and expectation issues. And we're not going to diminish who we are just to reach a number.
3: I know that there's a lot going on. I just want to tell you, you should be very proud of the job you've done. Um, I think that goes back about three commissioners, quite frankly. Um, And each of you have brought something different to the table. Uh, What you brought is, uh, I, I think, a forward thinking mindset and uh, it's been it's been fascinating to watch you work. So yeah, job. it's, um,
2: I, I first, and I'm supposed to hurry up on my yeah. time list, but the first time I ever visited the SEC office, um, it was at the invitation of, of Roy Kramer. And I was commissioner of the Southland Conference, and it was 1998. And I remember vividly walking into the commissioner's office, like, this is a big deal. Um, and I remember with Mike Slive one time, he asked me to sit in his chair and type an email. And I'm like, wow, I'm sitting in the, the chair, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, in that moment, like in, probably in 2004, was a big deal. And so to walk in that office every day and know uh, both of them as friends, but then study the history. You know, Harvey Schiller before was a short time, but Boyd McWhorter's impact, Boyd McWhorter's impact on, on our league. Um, each of us, uh, me with Mike, Roy, and everybody back, uh, Mike with Roy uh, and those back. We all stand on the shoulders of each other, if you will, and one of the, the great joys for me is to be able to pick up the phone and reach out to Roy at his home in, in Maryville and just have a conversation, which are always um, fascinating and informative, and, and uh, the loss of Mike is one that, that still hurts because um, of the relationship he and I had, but uh, I benefit from their work every day, and hopefully uh, if I do this really well, somebody will say similar kind things about me out there in the future.
3: You're you're crushing it. You're doing a great job. Commissioner, Thank we, you. we appreciate it. You don't need my endorsement, but it does mean a lot to a lot of people. Mike's live. Nice enough to join us as we broadcast live from SEC Media Days, that conversation. With the commish is brought to you by the home of mattresses there in Knoxville. And man, it's the mattress place right there on Chapman Highway. When you talk about ratings, they've got it. Over 225 five star reviews on Google, no gimmicks, just 30 to 70 percent off every day. That is the mattress place. It's like two miles from Henley Street. So if you're anywhere downtown. Or you have maybe a a young one moving into campus. The mattress place, thirty to seventy percent off every day. Marine Corps owned, no gimmicks. So uh, we have uh, some some breaking news, and that is that Tennessee. We hope to break in and uh, visit with some Tennessee players, but they have had uh, apparently some plane problems. Everything's fine, I'm told, but. They are going to be late. They have not arrived. They were scheduled to arrive and be in, uh, on Radio Row at 9 o'clock. So that is obviously not going to happen. If you're listening live, you know it's 9.50. So um, we uh, certainly encourage you to listen at all times. But if you're listening live, we're here every day at 9 o'clock as a presentation on Off the Hook Sports. She's Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker. Coming up on this a monster show as it is the final day of SEC Media Days, my personal favorite in 25 years. My first SEC Media Days was 25 years ago. I've never asked for a picture with anybody, man. But I, I said, David, I'm talking about David Cutcliffe, yeah. And I said, David, I just don't want to take a picture with you. I'm happy for you. You know that I think the leaving Duke was mutual. I think he was over it. Um, I don't think he was fired as maybe he was. I, I don't know, but at, at his stage in his career, he's created you know two mannings that were first round picks. He's done an awful lot. He's had success. so good for him. you know, it, it, whether or not he was fired at Duke, he has had a fantastic career now working with the SEC, trying to keep the coaches in line. He shared some stories about some some SEC coaches that we can't share. But um, he is—he's—he's uh, he's a butte, and we got a great response from him um, on our YouTube page where we want you to uh, subscribe. So, yeah, he was just a really, really fun interview, and just—just just a great guy. I mean, when you think about it, Amanda, the—I like Josh Heupel a lot, and I don't want this to sound like any sort of comparison. Please, please understand that. But with Josh Heupel's offense, it's about tempo. It's about speed. That's the niche. That's and essentially the gimmick. Gimmick has a negative connotation. I Understand?
4: Well, that's college football now. Like that's that's right. why.
3: Right. You know. So, but David Cutcliffe, I believe, with a pro-style offense, could have success in almost any era. I'm not going to go back to wing T days, but 70s, 80s, 90s, two thousand I think you could have success now. And he had success at Duke before eventually it's it just you can't get enough talent there. So that was, a, that was a really conversation, a fun conversation. I did a radio show for a fall back in 2015 after he got fired from Ole Miss. So I did a show with David for a year, and then he ended up taking the Tennessee job as the offensive coordinator when Randy Sanders decided to step away. What were your, So I know David really well. Um, what were your thoughts on David Cuckle just as an interview as a person and all that good stuff
4: I, I liked him a lot I mean I really I really liked him a lot he seemed like I don't know like your your sweet old grandpa I don't know how to put that he's just so kind and just so sweet and I just I really 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 just enjoyed talking to him it was he was so like moved by the things that he has experienced in life. And it it was just, it was refreshing to see that because you don't see that very much anymore.
3: Well, I can't do a better tease than that. So I'm just going to go ahead and take a break. David Cutcliffe up next as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame SEC Media Days in beautiful and hot and muggy Atlanta, Georgia. More after this, David Cutcliffe.
5: Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car, it's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want
0: to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
5: This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct Service Station here in Udawah. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here.
4: beautiful place. Wherever you are.
3: Welcome back as we are live from SEC Media Days, broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. This is a pretty cool, pretty cool place to be and pretty cool to talk to this young man, David Cutcliffe, joining us long-time Tennessee offensive coordinator, head coach at Ole Miss, head coach at Duke, and now with the SEC. And, David, I want to get to – what you're doing with the SEC, but you were talking right before we went on the air, and that is this is a cool place to be. And you were talking about some of the people that you see maybe aren't with us any longer, but who are some of the, the faces that you've seen that bring back some pretty wild memories?
0: Well, it's, it's, it is amazing. Of course, obviously, I get to see Coach Bryant and people around him. I see players. You know, I walk in and I see Peyton right off the bat, and God forbid, they put Sperger in the same little square. Um, I took a picture and haven't sent it yet to Peyton, but I'm trying to think of the caption, okay, to send to him. I'm sitting there looking. You know, we're going through a great change in college football. And y'all don't have to look now, but I'm looking at a coach at practice in a full suit with a hat on a fedora hat. All right,
3: yeah, over my shoulder
0: and they're pushing a sled and so those people probably thought football was going to hell in a handbasket when it changed and so I think we have to be real careful to give college football a death sentence just yet so let's work together to maintain some of those same values that that coach had that we continue to teach to young people
3: yeah I'm I'm on board with that for sure and I, I think that These changes with the transfer rules, the NIL and all that, they can be legislated. It it can happen. I don't believe it's out of control to the point of no return.
0: No, when I I came into this role, I I started hearing we can't do that. We can't win that. I said, wait a minute, I want to say something. I'm going to think like a coach because that's the only way I know to think. Never told a football team to quit 14 down going into the fourth quarter. Conference games are often won in the fourth quarter. Championships are won, won at the end of the season. Games are won in the fourth quarter. Let's be our best right now. You can find a way because it's needed to legislate this. I'm a fan of name, image, and likeness. I'm okay with the portal, and I'll explain that later. But name, image, and likeness, listen to the word. It's someone's name and their image or their likeness that someone else is using to make money. They should benefit from that. But that's earned, not a part of a recruiting process and a promise. It's earned. Your name, your image, and your likeness shouldn't be used by others to get wealthy. Okay? So we're really, it all started with the onset of video games and certain things like that. So yeah, you know, and I tell people what becomes acceptable. Doesn't mean it's right, right and wrong. Really don't change a whole lot over decades. Really doesn't. What's wrong is wrong. Yeah. Still is. So you can adjust this thing. We can win this. I know courts involved. I know unfortunately politicians get involved. It's a, Let's go back to the root of caring for young people, caring for players. Look at that perspective. What can we best do for them? It's not recruit them through money. We should try to recruit players that fit our program, that have a belief system in the other players in the locker room. And I'll jump right to the portal. When coaches call me whining about the portal, I say, hush, your <laughs> job. to develop relationship with all the players in your program there's a lot of scholarship players in your program that nobody knows their name they're just as important don't run them off those stars are in that locker room with those guys if they see a, a a coach that's not loyal to his players what do you expect back in return you build relationships the transfer portal is not a problem and if a guy's selfish enough that he's going just for one reason money, shake his hand, pat him on the rear and said don't let the door hit you on the way out. That guy doesn't belong in that locker room. So, no, we're not lost. We can do this thing, but it's collective. We all as fans, we all as media, we all as players, coaches, have to speak to what's right about college football and then back it up with a value system that matches that. I know that's long, but it needs to be said. I'm not recruiting anybody anymore, so I can say Mm -hmm. what I want to say. But young people choose people, not places. And dang sure don't choose money over people. You're going to be happy. You're born to family, and then you choose your people. That's your life's path. And I've always used that in recruiting, all the way back to Peyton Manning or anybody else I've ever recruited. You're choosing people in this, this whole process. You want to surround yourself with people that care about you, trust, love you, and are going to be loyal to you. So I think those values still work personally. Agreed.
4: So you've had the pleasure of, and, and probably not only the pleasure, but the challenge of coaching you know, Peyton. And I believe you coached Eli. So those are, those are two of the Mannings. Now we have a third Manning coming in, yeah. which is arch out of the three Mannings. Who do you think is the best Manning? If you can say so, cause you said you're not recruiting anymore. So who's the best Manning and why?
0: Well, here is the best Manning is a guy named Archie. Archie. <laughs> Manning. Okay. Let's go there because it's the truth. I was first exposed to Archie as an athlete in person. I was a guest of Alabama in Legion Field when Archie played against Alabama. Scott Hunter was the quarterback at Alabama. Archie was the quarterback at Ole Miss. Archie had 432 yards of total offense and a 33-32 to loss, but – I'm Alabama's guest and I'm leaving there like, yeah, Archie
3: Manning, man. Oh, yeah, I did not, you've never told me that story. Yeah,
0: it's real. And so I'm, I'm just blown away at that time by him and people. Now you have this ability to watch YouTube and Amanda go watch Archie Manning play arch Manning has only played in high school at this point. So he's not in the contest. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. let's not throw pressure at him. God love him. I sent him a scholarship by courier the day he was born, his mom, Ellen, and his dad, Cooper. Okay. I was the head coach at Ole Miss, and, I, and these were official scholarship papers. <laughs> nice. I was going to beat the rush, man, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I um, talked with Arch early on in this process, gave him my tidbit of advice and it was just two things you can imagine i just said choose people the right people is what you have to choose and the other thing is just simply have fun and be the very best teammate that you can be and you'll be fine don't try to be something other than a great teammate and the best quarterbacks are great leaders because they're great teammates and it also helps you just freely play the game you know and god bless the era that we're in whether it's the nfl or collegiately how do these guys perform under the telescopic work that people do not just media but fans have this ability to grade film if you will you know I
3: never, I never pretended to be that uh, proficient at football. I always lean on guys like you.
0: Well, I mean, but, but people. People do. Oh yeah. I mean, you almost tell you what, I was the best coach in the country every Sunday morning. Yeah. I knew everything we had done wrong, That's right. <laughs> yes. you know, and, um, I, uh, I have many early Sunday mornings where I'm like, did I do that? <laughs> and, so I understand the reaction people have to it. But when you start understanding the, the joy and the value of being in the decision-making process, the tackle, and then you got a count going 40, 39, 38. Can you imagine how much is happening for the quarterback? He's looking, making sure he knows down the distance the ball, left, middle, left hash, right, middle, right hash. You know, getting the personnel from the sideline. Now he's getting a signal of a play. He's making sure he's relaying it at the line of scrimmage to his teammates. He's now focused in on what's a defense, three down, four down, any subs on the defense. We don't have a coach to player uh, mic like they do in the NFL. And then that clock is ticking all the way through that. I used to tell people calling plays in the press box, all those years at Tennessee was like being an air traffic controller. And people would say, well, after a big win, you're going to go party after the game. I said, hell no, I am going home and going to bed. Yeah, yes. That's
3: exactly right. <laughs>
0: but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun aspect to, of, to the sport is that you got to make a decision and you ask Peyton, if y'all get him on, He knows the Patton principle. I've always taught that to quarterbacks. Like him or not, George Patton helped us win a war in Europe because he made a decision and then he went like hell to make sure it was the right decision. A lot of his superiors thought he was making a bad decision. Well, as a quarterback or a coach, you make a decision and then it's your job to go like hell to make sure it was the right one.
4: So and, on, uh, that's a big
0: ahead. deal. No, I go ahead. I know I'm long winded. No, you apologize. are fine.
4: You're absolutely fine. On that same note of the quarterbacks, and there are no Manning, no Manning's at Tennessee now, but we do have Hendon Hooker and we do have uh Nico coming in after that. Yep. What are your thoughts on each of those? What do you think that they're, what do you think they bring to the table?
0: Yeah. I, I, I recruited like crazy Hooker out of, Greensboro he we went to Virginia Tech I tried like crazy to get him at Duke he's a talent he's a competitor he's, he's, he's a better athlete you know he's long but he's a better athlete than people might think but I think the, the Josh Heupel's offense is completely suited to his skill set and I, I think they I don't think it I know uh, I watched Coach Heupel and his staff at Central Florida practice. I went down there purposely to see him, And, um, yeah, they, they're they doing a great job with the development of him as a quarterback. And I think we're going to see some exciting things in the Southeastern Conference for a lot more teams than people might think. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun year, and I think he will be a big – part of it now any quarterback that hadn't done it yet doesn't get kudos from me um you know potential is, is really what gets a coach fired people start believing often that somebody is all of this or that. how do you know till you get your hands on it? high school football is great my son's a head high school football coach but it's nothing like a high school practice. The competition collegiately is amazing. Uh, That transition is far greater from high school to the best of the best in the FBS than it is from the best of the best in the FBS to the NFL. So it's very unpredictable. And that's why people say, what happened to him? Nothing happened to him. He just wasn't quite what we thought
3: you had. We we bumped into each other on the way out yesterday. You had know, this is the coolest story about John Ward, um, about how you reinvigorated Tennessee's offense way back. You know, unfortunately, Tennessee hired you away from me. We were co hosts on a radio show, and you just had to go to do this coaching thing. Yeah. but if you could tell the John Ward story that you told me yesterday, that was just phenomenal.
0: Well, the the identity I, I came in. And um, the identity coming off a losing season just wasn't good at Tennessee at the time. The identity of the Tennessee offense had been lost a little. Eric and and Cawson had kind of gone back and forth. and, 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 And Eric wasn't what he needed to be. And I thought we might have been a little fat at receiver at that time, even Meacham. And I don't, I'm not fond of fat receivers. Okay? No, I know. So,
3: Something about fat receivers. Yeah, it's just. And really know, short offensive linemen. But,
0: but also had noticed we had recruited all over the place. And um, I wanted them to understand the tradition. i only told you part of the story. Another thing I did was on a Saturday morning, I had them all meet me at the facility at 5 a.m. and I didn't tell them what we were doing. I was good to them. Got a lot of sandwich, breakfast sandwiches, and had it ready. They had a bus waiting, and so we took off in the dark. They didn't know where we were going. I I knew a place up in the Smokies that I could hike to that had a great vista, and we went up there and got out of the bus and hiked together. And they're like, "What the? You know?" And we get up there and we stand, and I said, "Guys, I made it up, of course, but I said this is Rocky Top." I want you to understand what Rocky Top is. Look out at this. When when you hear Rocky Top, it's not just a song. Um, It's got to mean something to you. And then we spent the day and we had a great meal. And we went back and I took them to the stadium. And I made them walk up every stadium step to the very top. And the Vol sign was up there. it's back up, I understand. It is. I'm happy about that. My son, Marcus, I hope had something to do with that, but we get to the top and I told him every Saturday, people from all over the state and area make that trip you just made. And I said, now we're looking at Rocky top again, look down on that field. They come from everywhere to watch you perform at your highest level. And then I did the John Ward thing where I loved to hear John Ward's voice, you know, running all the way to the state capitol, Willie golf, you know, I mean, Oh my goodness. So I called John and I said, John, I need a favor of you. I've taught the team a little bit about who you are, showing them some of the clips, but I want you to come in and voice over some highlights of these guys making plays and do it with the best John Ward. Give him six touchdown Tennessee. And I had these dog tags made that just said touchdown Tennessee. I can't remember what I put on the back of them, but it had the checkerboard end zone. And so um, we sat in there and we played the highlight, and they were like, wow. They were fired up. Then John Ward comes walking into the team room, and we pass out, and I give him – a dog tag, touchdown Tennessee. He talked a few minutes in that great voice. I think of John in Tennessee football and then natural gas. Anybody's been around there a long time. Nobody could say it like he could say it. But um, it was a great moment, and I I love all of those young men that played on that team. And as you know, we had two really fine years during that run, and Eric Ainge had a heck of a run there. Um, And that's what you got to love about. We can't lose tradition. We can't lose a love of the sport. We have the greatest fans in, in the country in the Southeastern Conference and certainly Tennessee included. We always told them on bus tours back in the early 80s, hey, Neland Stadium becomes the fifth largest city in the state of Tennessee on Game day Saturdays. and then we used the World's Fair was here in 1982. on a game day Saturday there was, I forget what number we threw of people right within the stadium structure. So let's not let that be forgotten. I think that is important for young people.
3: Well said. Um, lastly, Talk about your role with the SEC. What is what is your goal? What's the SEC's goal And you guys joining together?
0: Well, when they called me, it wasn't anything I was thinking about doing, but as I I told them I wanted to get face-to-face, and I met the commissioner face-to-face. I'd known him, but I met his staff and his team, and I was really impressed with their commitment to excellence. And what it is is – to try to strengthen the commitment to excellence. I, I've got great relationships with all 14 coaches that were there before this role. Um, the relations part of it is, is working not only with the head coaches, we have a hundred and I reminded our staff, we got 140 coaches in this league called assistant football coaches that can't be forgotten in a difficult era in time to recruit, et cetera, et cetera, um, that represent our fine institutions. We've got players. We got operations people that are so important to all of this so I'm going around to the campuses and I'm meeting with all of those groups I go to the equipment room I love to talk to the equipment people you know who knows more about a program than anybody else the guys in the equipment, room. the equipment room is always by the locker room they know what's up with the players when I was coaching I always had me a little office near the equipment room because if I needed some real advice that's where you go uh, they say hey coach Coach, the players are a little bit down. Da 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 da. da. I, I can pick them up. You know they know. They don't hide things from those guys. So I'm, I'm very much in that type of relationship. But I'm also kind of inserting myself legislatively. As you go up the food chain in the NCAA, you get further away from anybody that's ever had boots on the ground, so to speak.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Ever worked with a student athlete? I think i can give a perspective so we avoid some of the laws of unintended consequences that come from these decisions and i'm not going to be quiet and i told the commissioner i'm going to think like a coach i understand the relationship of the administrative side of it i've served on a lot of committees all during my tenure as a head coach um so some small way maybe we can make a difference Dave. and it, we all know there's tweaks needed right now. And um, it's time to win in the fourth quarter. And I like that. Don't you love competing in the fourth quarter? Um,
3: yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad there is a fourth quarter for all of us. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and,
0: you know, you mentioned it about your own health <laughs> circumstance. But when, when you're given an opportunity in the fourth quarter, and I've always told players this, 20 down, 14 down. When you get 15 new minutes in that quarter, oh, my gosh, celebrate.
3: So all kinds of stuff you can celebrate. do with that.
0: We don't remember games that were blowouts. Oh, we remember fourth quarter comebacks. We celebrate the players. And then, like I've always told coaches, I love it because you think players not plays when you're in that circumstance. Big-time players make big-time plays in big games. So think players, not plays. And, well, I'm right now, I'm looking for every good player I can find to help us compete in the fourth quarter with what we need to do with college football.
3: I said last thing, one more thing. Have you worked it out with the SEC that you can maybe work with Arch Manning in the offseason? Is that <laughs> something in the – oh, you know, come on, David. You yeah, know you're going to. I
0: have done some work with Arch in the past. I know. Um, and I'm, I'm – you know, i am am I do pray for him, David. I can do that because sure. I think he's got so much that's being looked at him. And that's not easy, folks, for anybody. He's very talented. I can tell you that from working with him. Has been for a long time. It was very obvious. But um, he, he and and he's going to be happy with his choice. I believe that. That's a big part. He's certainly not choosing a path of NIL money or anything yeah. else. He's putting himself in what he thinks the best position it is to be the best player, but more importantly, play on a national championship team if he can.
3: I think financially the Mannings are doing okay, right? I think they're
0: doing all right. Okay. Although I still pay for Peyton and Eli's food when we go out to eat. You know, I take the check. <laughs> I hadn't figured that one out, but Archie says his he's the same way. So I'm just trying <laughs> to keep the receipts to uh maybe one day when I'm destitute. Hey guys, please. Pay me back. Just send it
3: to <laughs> Omaha Productions. There you go. <laughs> you got it. David Cutcliffe, former Tennessee offensive coordinator and one of the best uh, co-hosts that I've ever had, uh, quite frankly, in radio. Right up there with the LaFrada. More after this, I'm Dave Hooker. This is a production of Off the Hook Sports. I have to be real honest with you. I cannot get enough of David Cutcliffe. I know I did a show with him for a year in his interim after Ole Miss – And it was just one of the more fun times I've ever had in broadcasting. So David Cutcliffe is a positive addition to the SEC. I don't have any question about that. A positive addition to your grill? Well, how about Owl's Nest Barbecue? They have all your barbecue supplies, whether we're talking about, oh, I don't know. You need the pellets, you need the chips, you need the sauce. They have it all right there at Owl's Nest Barbecue and right next door Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. Steve Ray's Midnight Oil will take care of all of your service needs in the Oodawa area. I want to thank City Heating and Air as well for helping us get down here to Atlanta, Georgia, the College Football Hall of Fame, SEC Media Days, and City Heating and Air Conditioning has been in business for over 50 years. It's about integrity, not that promised $29 service call that turns into like a three grand new unit. That's city heat and air. For Amanda LaFrada, I'm Dave Hooker. I have a fantastic rest of the day. We'll see you at 9 o'clock tomorrow, live streaming. You can check us out on YouTube as well. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.